This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. Welcome to a mini pod on a historical woman in camping, Eleanor Eels. Um, it is also the 50th anniversary year of Title 20, which is a program that she helped create with Gordy Kaplan, the former ACA executive director for Illinois. Um, Gordy, uh, talk to us about how you met Mrs. Eels and how you got involved in this project. Thanks, Sam. Um, uh, I will quickly give you my my background. I'm from Minneapolis and attended a camp in northern Minnesota for 16 summers. Decided that that's what I wanted as a career. I wound up uh, studying and preparing my own curriculum for that at University of Minnesota. And I met a woman named Sue Tinker, who was in charge of women's physical education. And I was volunteering at the University Nursery School across the street from the Women's Phi Ed building. And I had been studying for an MBA to get ready for the business part of camping. And I'd mentioned to her that they were really preparing people for work in corporate America. And I was interested in using that background for camping. And she said, well, you ought to go to Chicago to George Williams College. They have a master's in camping and outdoor education. My mouth dropped open. (laughs) So I wound up going from a school with 39,000 students to George Williams College on the south side of Chicago with 350. There I met Nelson Weeders, who became an ACA president and really whose travel camp became the basis for the ACA travel camp standards. Um, And he got me introduced to Mrs. Eels. And for my master's dissertation, Mrs. Eels and the Fund for Advancement of Camping, which was an organization that really raised money to do projects that they turned over to ACA once they'd gotten started. Um, And one of those projects was uh, working with the standards. But Mrs. Eels had her her brilliant mind involved in lots of projects for camping and that we could talk about Mrs. Eels as a completely separate podcast. If someone was interested in learning about her, um, I, because of Nelson Weeders relationship, friendship with Mrs. Eels, I, I wound up working for her as her assistant from 1970 through 19, the early part of, of 1970. Nineteen, yeah, 1970 through the early part of 1974. She had a friend who worked for the Federal Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Uh, that's no longer, uh, it's no longer operating. It was divided into uh, separate departments. And Dr. Catherine Richards from HEW and Mrs. Eels decided that children living in extreme poverty should be able to have a camp experience. The federal government through the Social Security Act had a program, one of the so-called entitlements called Title IV-A. And Dr. Richards made it possible for Mrs. Eels through uh, Illinois and uh, to set up a Title IV-A program to serve children whose families were in 
extreme poverty. It was a matching funds program, meaning that the federal government put up 75% of the money, which was a per diem, actually below the the actual cost of running a camp. Um, And the city of Chicago put up the other 25%, which was called the match. Um, And this was a pilot project. As I recall, it was $350,000. And at first, there were no day camps. It was all resident camps, a small number. But the big difference was that those camps had been serving campers that were in their catchment area where their centers were. And the city of Chicago, putting up the match money, wanted them to serve kids from all over the city. So we had to bring applications for campers that the camps got to us to the city of Chicago, and they had to stamp that they approved uh, allowing these children to go to camp. So they were part of, and that was the audit trail that they were, they were actually selecting the campers. Um, the camps then had a problem because they would be working with campers from parts of Chicago that they were not familiar with. So Mrs. Eels set up a workshop over the weekend, hired two national staff from Campfire Girls in Kansas City, and one fellow from the, from the at that time, the boys clubs of the USA in New York, and they ran a workshop on how camps could work with children who they didn't know and who were from various neighborhoods and communities that they were not familiar with. Then we also set up a tour around various neighborhoods and in communities in Chicago that were different from what they knew. We ate at local restaurants. We went to local schools. We met with community leaders. And that then provided the camp directors with, I say we, that was the camp directors that were participating in the program. And they then had ties with new leaders, local community leaders that made it possible for them to recruit campers from those areas. The program became Title 20 in 1976. And at that time, I had started a Title 4A, which became Title 20 program in St. Louis. Mrs. Eels, after it got started in Chicago in 1971, uh, held several workshops for people from other cities to teach them how to use the Title 4A money, how to, how to apply for it, how to obtain it, and how to use it for camp services. The cities that I can recall that were involved included Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, uh, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Kansas City, and L.A. And they, uh, they started programs in those states. When Title IV-A became Title 20, you had to bring participants, parents, whose children had gone to camp locally to public hearings in order to qualify for continuing the program. So it was like starting a new program. Um, uh, by 1980, the others, the programs in other states had uh, disappeared, had uh, died out. Either the state no longer provided the funding. You know, when, when in those days there were a limited number of 
of camps that primarily served children with low income. Uh, by by 1980, we were also serving day camps. So there are about a hundred different camps, um, and and actually almost as many day camps as resident camps now that are involved in the Title 20 program. Um, while I was working with ACA and and uh, managing the Title 20 program, I met a woman on the west side of Chicago who was running um, a food, a pantry, and parents and the area was just devastated. There were vacant lots. There were no places for kids to play. And she she said, you know, we'd love to start a program, a day camp for the kids who come with their, with their parent or guardian and have nothing to do while the parent or guardian is getting food. That I said, fine. They weren't going to get funding from any place else. So that started something, and there are now about 20 individual small day camps operating by mostly women who are running childcare programs during the rest of the year and have funding for that. But the childcare program won't fund uh, day camp. And so they are involved in the Title 20 program. That's wonderful. I, how many years, Gordy, were you executive director here in Illinois? Well, I started, Mrs. Eels hired me as her assistant in 1970, and the job, I was working for both her organization, the Fund for Advancement of Camping, and I was the director, executive director of ACA Chicago at that time. Because Chicago's section started the Title IV-A program, it became the Illinois section, because we were serving camps all over Illinois. I mean, we were serving recipients, children, campers from all over Illinois. So to make it uh, more understandable for the state legislature in in, uh, Illinois, it became uh, the Illinois section. That's wonderful. I I was very interested in the fact that um, you guys tried to spread this program to other states and other cities and that it just kind of fizzled there. I know currently um, other states and other areas are looking for ways to fund low-income campers and to get more kids into camp. Um, So this is a great example of you guys taking a problem at the time, fixing it, and maybe it can be used in the future to help other places get something going. There has to be a local group that is willing to serve as the administrator, the monitor, um, and work with a state agency because the money comes to each state. Title 20 money comes from the federal government to a state agency, one agency in each state in the country um, that then must administer the program. And they select what programs they're going to allow be provider agencies. So it is possible for this to be run, but you have to be willing to work with camps that are going to serve day or resident camps that are willing to serve uh, people qualified for Title 20. Qualification is TANF, Temporary Assistance to Needy Families, SNAP, which is food stamps, or Medicaid. So any any person, whether it's a, a a senior adult who's on disability, permanent disability, and qualified to receive uh, public assistance 
year round disability, um, all the way down to very young children being going to day camp or everyone in between. So it can qualified. be adults, adults and children, special it, it can needs. Be adults, and it can be families, it can be children, it can be youth. Wonderful. And, and now we've seen some of those kids uh, grow up and wind up working in camp or actually several of them have become camp directors since 1971. You know, it's been going on for now 50 years. Yep. That's amazing. Well, um, nowadays, well, last year, 2019, that uh, that summer, we sent uh, 4,500 kids to camp with Title 20 here in Illinois. And then this year with the COVID, <laughs> um, people had to adjust to the situation. So they start doing virtual camps, um, more day camps, more day programs, and other types of services like the food pantry type model that you were talking about. And they still served over 8,000 children and adults this summer with the COVID. So that's that's amazing to me that it can be adapted in an emergency situation. And uh, The reason that this program has lasted as long as it has is because the camps are willing to accept a subsidy. The money is not paying for their total cost. It certainly is not paying for anything above cost. It's way below. And they have to put in 25% of uh, of what they're getting so it is it is only for those camps that are sincerely uh, part of their mission and purpose is to serve the underserved absolutely well thank you gordy this has been wonderful we um i would love to hear more historical subjects from you in the future but um the people need to let us know that they enjoyed this and then next week we'll be back to a full podcast so gordy thank you again for talking to us today my pleasure thank you the day camp podcast is brought to you by go camp pro and the go camp pro podcast network Find a podcast for camp professionals of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp Pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.